If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What? Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Uh-oh, might get a little dark today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Happy Wednesday to all. 877-377-4373. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. You can email to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We are going to talk about, I mean, I think I'm in love. 
Don't worry. It's just like a fake love. Don't worry. But I think I'm in love. The GOP has decided to do the right thing once again about, about three weeks too late. And we have civil war in Europe? I haven't been paying attention. We have civil wars in Europe? Okay. But first, and you know I warn you ahead of time about dark. Dark probably isn't the way to describe today's story. Sad is probably a better way. It's just kind of sad. So, you know, I will at inappropriate times inject humor into the story, which will make everybody uncomfortable. I do that very well. But looking around right now, set aside the history for a moment. Looking around right now, I've been trying to put into words what I've been feeling And what it seems like, I mean, going off my emails and my voicemails and my social media interaction and stuff like that, I've been trying to put into words what you've been feeling. Because we appear to be on pretty much the same wavelength out there. It feels like, I finally figured it out last night, it feels like sorrow. That's what it feels like. Just a real sorrow out there right now. I figured out what it is, and I think I figured out why it is, and let's walk through our little history's tale, and I'll tell you at the end. Let's go back to China, though. China, 1931. No, we're not doing communist stuff today, although they'll have a little role. But China, 1931. You see, China is an interesting place, and I've never been there. Full disclosure, I've never been there. I really, really want to go there because of the vast amount of history in China. I mean, there's just so much cool history there. However, I refuse to go because I don't want a single cent of my money to go to communists. So I don't, I won't go, but I want to go. Just know it's one of those things I really want to do, but I I I won't let myself do it. But China back in 1931 was in this situation. They were very, very, and are very, but they were very, very agricultural, big time. China exists along rivers. There, there are, there's the Yangtze River. Don't worry about remembering these names. It's not important. You can if you want, but the Yangtze River, the Huai River, and the Yellow River. And if I screwed up that Huai River name, it's because my Mandarin is actually worse than my English. I don't speak Mandarin well. But they... They exist along rivers. They're agricultural. And that really is so much of the history of mankind and where we are presently. You look where civilizations end up setting themselves up. It's along some kind of body of water. Just the way it is. The Yangtze River I just brought up in China is actually the third longest river in the world by far, by far the longest in Asia and entirely contained within China. And Chinese climate, which is really what we're going to talk about a lot today. Don't worry, it's not going to be painful. I know I could see just, I could see eyeballs glazing over Chris as soon as I said, let's talk about climate. <laughs> Don't worry, you know, you know me. But 
You remember Genghis Khan way back in the day, 1200s, back when he was invading the Chinese and slapping them around? And the Chinese did pretty well for themselves. I don't want to act like they just laid down for him. But when he was down there, he famously struggled not necessarily against the Chinese walls or the Chinese troops. There were, yes, some fierce battles there. He struggled mightily against the Chinese climate. Climate is one of those funny things. It's boring. It's nerdy. Nobody wants to talk about it. But in the same way we talk about, you know, uh, the history of water and the history of weather, just in general, you can get in areas geographically and weather-wise, they just defeat you. It defeated, at certain points, it defeated the Mongols. It just, they couldn't go anymore. Alexander the Great's a great example of this, too. They kept pushing east and pushing east and never losing a battle and conquering everybody. And finally, the guys looked around and thought, this environment sucks. We're dying of disease. We can't do this anymore. And I don't know what it is about China, because like I said, I'd never been there. But there's something about the climate that just ruins people, ruins armies. It it's, must just be very wet and difficult over there. Now, in 1928 to 1930, here's what was happening. You remember that agricultural society we just talked about 30 seconds ago? They were going through what might be one of the worst things you can go through as an agricultural society, a drought. We're talking rice fields, wheat fields, things like that. A drought is a big, big deal. And people live along these rivers. The Yangtze River alone, 40% of the Chinese population lived along that river. They're not spread out all over the country. They're living by the waterway. You're going through a drought. It's screwing up the cops, the, the crops. The rivers are getting low. It's, just, it's not working well. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And remember, when I talk about 40% of the population, it was also 45% of the economy, which will come into play later, right along the Yangtze River. Well, that was 1928 to 1930. And then in 1931, if you were living in China at that time, you would have thought the world had come to an end. And when I tell you this story and the things these people went through, it's, it's, it's difficult to take. It's difficult to wrap your mind around how you would handle a disaster like this and what would be going through your mind. Because after the drought, 28 to 30 was the drought. Well, during that drought time, the mountains... We're getting a ton of ice freezing up there, tons of it and tons of it and tons of it. And it was adding up and adding up and adding up and adding up. And then the summer hits, summer, 1931, June hits. Things get warm. And that mountain of ice, I mean, quite literally, mountain of ice that was in the mountains, all starts melting. And it all starts running down. And the rivers begin to flood. But remember, these are people who live along a very unpredictable river. They're used to flooding. They know how to get around some flooding here, some flooding there. Get up the seed here so we have seed for next year. Make sure we have this kind of protection. They have dikes all over the place. 
They have taken many, many, many of the proper precautions. But nobody was ready for what was coming. Because on top of all the ice melting, the drought ends. And the drought ends, well, how do you want me to put this? Seven different cyclone events in one month. The sky, while the mountains are pouring water into these rivers, the skies open. And honestly, picture the Noah's Ark story you all know. That's a, a, this is a small version of what I assume that must have looked like. I will continue on in just a moment. And then we're going to talk about banning Trump supporters from the military. Yeesh. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. Sit down last night for dinner. And as I do every night now, I got my glass of water sitting there or a beer, depending on whether it's the weekend or not. And a couple super beats sitting by my drink every single night. Finally, my youngest son asks, what are these things you're taking every single night? And I said, well, they're super beats, son. He said, why? I said, well, because I'd like to meet the kids you're going to have one day. Your man, a real man has to take care of his heart. That's why I take them. Yeah, I I like the flavor. I love the company. I love the people. They're great. It's all good. I love that they're all natural. You know, I I love all that. But I take Super Beats because they're good for my heart and good for my blood pressure. And you should too. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That gets you two free 30-day supplies. I think I'm in love. What? Chris, I think I'm in love. We're going to talk about it a little later on. (laughs) Back to China. 1931. The river's flowing. The river's rising because of the mountain runoff. People were handling it. They have dikes there. Then the skies open up. And now we have to take a brief step away for a moment and discuss the political situation in China at the time. They were in the middle of a civil war. I'm not even kidding. In the middle of a civil war. And this was when the world changed and it really affected our world today. So hang on for a second if you're unaware of it. There were two sides in this civil war. There were the Chinese nationalists led by a man named Chiang Kai-shek. And then there were the communists, you know, the ones that eventually won the war with Mao, changed the course of human history, the ones who are currently eating our lunch. That's them. Well, as of this point in time, there's no no clear winner. There's no clear front runner. There's just a Chinese civil war. They're trying to figure out the direction of the nation, trying to figure out who's even running things at the time. 
And why does that come into play? Well, remember I said they had dikes. I mean, these people had lived in this area for a long, long time. They dang well knew the rivers flood, the rains come sometimes, the mountain runoff is not new. So you have dikes. Well, when you don't have a competent system, when you don't have a competent, consistent government system, sometimes, sometimes the bad stuff gets a whole lot worse because of cans that get kicked down the road. Here's how rivers work naturally. Hang with me a second. A natural river flows, but eventually because of the silt buildup in various areas, you know, a river is carrying more than just water. It's carrying other stuff, dirt. Let's just call it dirt. It's carrying dirt. The dirt is going to, because of the flow of the river, slowly build up on this bank or build up in this area. And what that's going to do over time is force the river to take alternate routes, to start slowly carving an alternate route out. Make sense so far with me? Well, when you build dikes, when you, when you try to control the flow of that river, what you do is you hold the river in place. You're not letting it naturally flow because you, us, mankind, we manipulate the flow of rivers for our own purposes, as we should. Good for us. It's really cool. However, there's something about dikes and rivers. Remember, the river's still carrying stuff. You're holding it in place. And holding it in place and holding it in place. And you're getting that build up below the river. The river's not allowed to move, but the silt is still building at the bottom. Are you starting to see where I'm going with this? You must, absolutely must do one of two things or both. You must clean out the build up so the river can continue to flow that way or You must raise the dikes. When you have a dysfunctional, divided system, basics like that get overlooked. While the powers that be on one side and the powers that be on the other side are squabbling for a seat at the throne, really, really critical things like dikes in riverbed maintenance get really overlooked. And when they get overlooked, you get the living hell we are about to walk into. You see, this was worse than anything they'd seen before. And eventually, a dike breaks. And Chris said, uh, uh, Jonestown, I think you mean Johnstown. I think that was Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Chris asked if this was Jonestown or Johnstown, Pennsylvania bad. You remember that that story, that horrible flood? I think it was 1927 in Johnstown. I may have that wrong. But, Chris, this makes Johnstown look like a nice trip to the convenience store. Let's put it to you this way. A dike broke. And as soon as one breaks, when you're dealing with this volume of water, you simply now have created a domino effect. Then another dike. Then another dike. Then another dike. 
People are building. Remember, these are little one-story homes all along the river. Many of them obviously elevated because they're used to floods. They're used to in the river. They're used to rice paddies where they grow it underwater. However, there's elevated and then there's elevated. Now the river has exploded. The water has exploded. And it's so fast and so uncontrollable. Chris just asked about Johnstown. Let me put it to you this way. 150,000 people died almost right away here alone. And that's barely a fraction of how many are about to die. This could easily be the worst disaster in the history of mankind. And most people don't even know about it. The homes, boom, gone. Entire villages, gone. People are now clamoring into the little side pants, the little flat bottom boats. They're, they're trying to build their own life rafts. And these aren't a bunch of uh, uh, Navy SEALs out here. These are normal people with families, babies, children, old people. They're trying to also, while they're trying to save themselves, they're trying to save the crop, bring in as much food as possible so they don't starve, save the seed for next year's crop so they don't starve, trying to save the animals. They made, a, they made their living so much of their living on water buffalo. They're trying to save themselves. Oh, and did I mention... You know, we're talking about crops and lives and things like that because this is going to come back into play here in a moment. This is, remember, 45% of their economy. This is how their nation functions. And now the water is blowing them out of there. Uh, There's a story about the famous U.S. aviator, the the Lindbergh dude and his wife. They went over. They were over there at the time. I'm not going to go into it. But they took a flight over, and they describe what it was like. You're flying over rivers. Then you're flying over these lakes. They look like there are lakes all of a sudden everywhere. And then when you got far enough down, it was like you hit the ocean. Only it wasn't the ocean. An area the size of New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts combined is now underwater. And... This is not the era where you're going to be flying helicopters out there, where China even could, where they could even afford it. Picture this moment. Entire villages in the middle of an ocean, albeit a shallow ocean, now in the middle of an ocean, living on rafts, living on boats, fighting to survive, and... There's no rescue coming. There's no rescue even available. You are, that's the best way I can describe Have you seen the movie Waterworld? If not, you know the world, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That Kevin Costner box office flop, which actually I thought it was a sweet movie, but where the world just became covered in water. That's what these people were now living in. You, tonight, you go home. You lay down, dinner, crash out for the evening. You wake up to your downstairs rapidly filling with water. What does the rest of your night look like as you scramble with your family to get to the roof, to grab supplies, and then as the water keeps rising, you're trying to figure out how you're going to float out of there. And then the next day, 
you're alone in the ocean. I'm not done yet. And we will get to the GOP doing the right thing. Weeks too late again. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Two hundred Republicans pledged support for the Hyde Amendment. Man, that's awesome, guys. Proud of you. Where was that? You know what? No, I'm not going to get distracted on that yet. Let me get to that in a minute. Let me wrap up this story. The floodwaters come in. The people are on rafts. The people are on boats. And like I said, no help is coming. And I don't mean in a day. No help is coming. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody even knows how to get to this kind of refugee situation. When I say refugee situation, I'm talking 25 million people. A refugee situation like you can't possibly imagine. And the waters are so shallow in so many places because now you have lakes and standing water where there was previously nothing, you can't bring large boats in there because they're too deep. They can't get there. So you can't even bring large watercraft to go pick up these people or even drop off medical supplies or food. And they start dying. The ones who did that, we're not even talking about the 150,000 who drowned right away. They're living on rafts and they're running out of food. They're catching what fish they can catch, and they're eating it. But they're catching something else, too. You see, water is really great. But like most really great things, it comes with some danger. Water brings bugs. Bugs bring disease. Now you're stuck on the water. Now you're drinking bad water. Because think about what's going on around you. You're beginning to band together as much as humanly possible. You know, you would join boats, pull our resources type thing. Uh, everybody's using the water on top of the bacteria already naturally in standing water or water that's not fast flowing at all. Now you have a dysentery problem 
that is huge, which is dehydrating people more. I am going to do you the favor of not elaborating on dysentery. Maybe I'll tell you my dysentery story later on today when I got it. Not, not, not a good time. On top of that, you have malaria breaking out. People aren't nourished enough to have their immune systems fight off disease. You and I, as Americans, do not appreciate the fact we constantly, although we eat poorly and we're too fat, that's just the nature of how we are now, we don't have a nutrition deficit. You have very likely never lived, and I have never lived at a time where I didn't have enough food to have my body able to fight off disease. Your body's fighting off disease at all times. Your body's fighting off disease right now. But you have the nutrients. You have the strength to do it. People who are dying of starvation quickly begin dying of disease because their body doesn't have the energy to fight it off. There's a cholera outbreak. Malaria starts tearing through these people. And in their desperation... I mean, it gets so much worse. In their desperation, they start eating the seed they saved for next year's crop. So now you're going to starve next year if you don't starve this year. They start using their plows for fire. These are not people who can run down to Walmart and buy a new one. Remember I said they use their water buffalo? They start eating them too. But here's the problem. Soon the seed is gone. And the water buffalo is gone. And you have entire families starving. And people start looking to the kids. People start getting rid of their own children. Sometimes selling their own children to other people for food. You think you've seen desperation. But wait. It actually gets worse. Refugees then poured into some of the major Chinese cities like Wuhan. Perhaps you've heard of it. They pour into Wuhan. Well, eventually Wuhan understandably says, uh, psh, uh, whoa, we, don't, we can't hold any more people here. They have to set up troops around Wuhan to keep more refugees out. The refugees finally get to Wuhan, run into some Chinese troops, know they can't do anything, so they head to the hills, to the mountains around Wuhan, and begin setting up refugee camps. And they say the conditions in the camps were worse than being out on the water. Just uh, the disease, the 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 waste, the, it was the worst scene I've ever heard in my life. But wait. It gets worse, and that's not the last time I'm going to say that. Nanking or Nanjing, depending on you know, depending on how you want to pronounce it, this is this is about six years before that the rape of Nanking. So we're before that, right? The refugees poured in Nanking. It was the capital of China at the time. So you have all these refugees coming to Nanking, and then boom, Nanking floods. And even though it was a major city, most of the city was single-story buildings. 800,000 people had filled up Nanking only to watch Nanking flood. Imagine escaping all that, finally getting to the promised land and having the promised land flood on you again. These people thought the world was ending. Oh, but wait, there's more. Then Japan 
who had this, you know, they have this never-ending rivalry with China. Japan invades Manchuria. This is the beginning of that while this is going on. Then, wait, there's more. Remember I said 45% of the economy was there? Well, 45% of your economy goes bye-bye. Your economy goes bye-bye. The bond market collapses in China. The floods started in June. This is the heartbreaking part of it as I wrap this up. The floods started in June. Because of a broken, divided, corrupt system, there wasn't even a government response until August. And you know what the response was? Of course, they formed a commission, right? But this commission, you can form all the commissions in the world They don't have any money because their economy is destroyed. Again, you and I have never known that yet, what it's like to not have money. Commission here, commission there, throw a couple billion at this, couple billion at that. That's the American life. That is not, not how other people around the world exist. And then once you have the government commission, what do they focus on? Well, They focus on everything a corrupt system usually focuses on. They focused on their accomplishments. Not not a gigantic effort to save the people. Not at all. Not a, we have to do this, we have to do that. These people are dying. These people need to do this. These people need to do that. They handed out some food, handed out some medical supplies, And then one of the biggest complaints about that commission was they spent the rest of their time telling everybody else all the great things they'd done instead of doing more great things because that's what a corrupt system does. A corrupt system fails, then gets together and makes everything worse, and then brags about how it saved everyone while people are dying. That's what happens in a corrupt system. And as I was thinking about this whole story last night, and I'm thinking, and, I, and I'm going through everything on it, and man, if you look at, just go look it up if you're, if you're interested in it. It's, it's awful. They say by the end, they estimate two to three to four million people died. You, you and I don't even know a disaster like that. Four million people? Dead. Gone. When you count in the disease and everything else. And I'm thinking about it, and it really, it hit me. It hit me why, why there's so much sorrow in America now. I'll explain why in a second. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. 
For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 